0: it's so exciting I was hearing brother Cleve when he was talking about there is no curse aren't you so glad that there is no curse under this covenant when I go in prayer a lot of times especially when you're fighting against whether it's sickness or or whatever it is going on in your life because of the new covenant in Jesus's blood there is no curse so that's the end all for me so when i heard him say that 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 excites me because it's true and i think as the body of christ a lot of us don't realize that i have a right to health i have a right to prosperity prosperity is not just money it's everything the bible says in romans 5 and 1 that we are justified by faith justification is acquittal i've been declared not guilty amen before the court of god and so therefore because i'm justified by faith i have peace with god that word peace means wholeness completeness nothing missing nothing broken so it's up to you to receive it it's up to you to enforce your rights and so we just i'm telling you I'm telling you, just the times that we're living in, the times that we're living in, if we just go by what we see, feel, hear, we will be discouraged. But when we stay with the word and invoke our rights, then we'll begin to see the manifestation of the blessing because we are a blessed people. But anyway, this morning i count it an honor to be up here and i do not take it lightly especially in the absence of the pastor so that says a lot so we just thank god for the opportunity and it's something again i I just i don't take it lightly so this morning we will be coming from genesis chapter 17. genesis chapter 17. We're actually back up into chapter 16, beginning with verse 15. And I'm actually teaching from the New American Standard. Verse 15 of chapter 16. And it reads, So Hagar, Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. Now when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell on his face and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I like that. See, it hadn't even been done in the natural, but yet he said, I've made you the father. Of many nations or a multitude of nations verse 6 I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings will come forth from you I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you through throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you I will give to you and to your descendants after you, the land of, of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Somebody say an everlasting possession. Everlasting, everlasting possession. When God says something, he means what he says. We don't have to try to figure it out and try to make it fit, but God, he is not, he doesn't mince words when he says it, that's what he means. If he said it, he's going to bring it to pass. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it does not return unto you void, but that it will prosper in the thing where to you sin it, And it will accomplish what you please. So now we submit ourselves before you. Thank you for manifesting your wisdom right now. We give you praise for it. We thank you for fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love this story. God called Abraham beginning over in Genesis 12. Just a quick recap. God appears to abram before his name was changed was abram he appeared to him in chapter 12 and he says go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which i will show you and i will make you a great nation and i will bless you and i will make your name great and so you shall be a blessing and i will bless those who bless you and curse those and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 that God was speaking the gospel in advance to Abraham. So when God made this statement to him, he was thinking about the Gentile. God had a greater plan. It wasn't just about Abraham becoming rich. It wasn't about Abraham coming into this wealthy place, but he intended for the entire Earth. He intended for every person that will believe the word of God that will come in. He will bless you too. Look at your neighbor and say me too. Amen. I am the seed of Abraham. Amen. Amen. The Bible says over in Galatians three, you got to read Galatians three. Galatians three tells us if you are Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and an heir according to the promise. But I'm not talking about the blessing today. What I want to talk about today is while you are waiting. While you're waiting. It's when we're waiting where we can become impatient. It's when we're waiting. That's when the enemy begins to come and he bombard your mind. You know you heard God. You know God, you you believe his word, you've been through some things and you've seen him move, but then it's taken so long and so you find yourself begin to falter and you have to step back and say, wait a minute, I know God. God, he had, you've got notches in your belt. I can tell you some things that God has done for me. you got to rehearse your victories because when you're waiting, that's when the enemy comes. If he can steal the word of God from your mouth, if he can take it, and if he can make you change your minds, then guess what? That promise, you will probably not come into the promise. You've got to stick with the word. Abram called at the age of 76. He was 75. 75 years old, God told him, I'm going to make your name great. All nations are going to be blessed through you. If you keep reading, he was obedient. He left. He left his country, his relatives, his father's house. He took Hagar. He took, excuse me, he took Sarai. And he t- Lot went with him. Okay? That's what the Bible says. Lot went with him. And they took everything that they had because he was not coming back. See, when God called you to something, you got to take everything. You can't leave anything behind because that will make you go back you got to cut any ties that you have in order to go in what God's calling you to. So that's what Abram did. He took everything. Somebody say everything. He took everything. And he went to Canaan. God said he, he at first didn't even know where he was going. As we continue to read through this chapter, you see that he's going and he's walking. He went to Canaan. And he's just walking from place to place And he'd camp out Every now and then he'd, he'd put up an altar But he's walking just because of that one word He had no proof He just had the word When you hold to the word That is the proof Because Numbers 29, 13 I think I said that right said, no Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie. Man will change his mind quick, but God is not a man. So he's not a liar. If he said it, then he's going to do it. Has he spoken it? He got to make it good. That's why it's so important, not only that we read the word of God, but that we spend time with God. Because when you're waiting, you got to hear from God. You need that encouragement. You need to know, okay, I'm, on, I'm in the right place. I'm on the right track. So he's walking through, and then he gets to Egypt because he runs into a famine, so he goes to Egypt. Then he's there for a while. Then some things transpire. But when he leaves Egypt, he's very wealthy. I'm going to let you read the story because I'm trying to get somewhere. So. Verse 13, he leaves Egypt. At that place, when he went to Egypt, he actually turned aside. That was not where God called for him to be. But he comes out. And then the Bible says in chapter 13, verse 2, Now Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. He went on his journeys from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there formerly. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. See, we can get distracted. So he's down in Egypt because of the famine. But again, God didn't tell him to go to Egypt, but he made his place, he made himself come back. He, he, he made his way back to where he was at first. Where are you right now? We got to get in alignment with the will of God. See, when you're waiting, you got to be in position. But when we're off doing other things, it can be a distraction and it can be a hold up. But we've got to align ourselves and be what God called us. But we just read where he got back to where he was when he first came. Okay. So even in verse, as you continue to read, the Bible says Lot was rich. They were wealthy. So much so the land could not support them both. That's how wealthy they were. Lot was rich by association. So you got to be hanging around the right people. (laughs) He was rich by association. But they had to separate. Because Abram didn't want strife. He he didn't want that. So he told him, here you look. If you go that way, I'll go that way. Lot went and pitched his tent right there near Sodom. But Abram was in Canaan. After Lot left, the Bible says that the Lord, in verse 14, said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which you see, I will give it to you and to your descendants forever. How do you have a descendant unless you first have a child? So that promise is still still a promise, but it hasn't occurred yet. But Abram didn't quit and go back home. He stayed he stayed. We've got to have some staying power. You can't quit when it looks like it's not coming. You know, when you're waiting, it's easy to quit. Galatians 6, 9 tells us be not weary in well-doing for in due season you will reap if you faint not. So, when you are waiting, we can't quit. But he told him to look and he said, the land which you see i will give it to you and your descendants i will make your descendants as the dust of the earth so that if anyone can number the dust of the earth then your descendants can also be numbered arise walk about the land through its length and breadth for i for i will give it to you yes, yes. so he again is wandering through this land because this is the promise, a part of the promise that God has given him. And then we get into chapter 14. Lot gets taken captive as well as those that are in Sodom and Gomorrah. Gomorrah, Abram and a couple of men he's in covenant with, they go and they rescue Lot and rescue um, all the people and, and get back everything that had been taken. And then Melchizedek sees, comes out to Abram and blesses him this was after any battle there's always a spoil abram knew he he raised he said that he raised his hand to god most high that he wouldn't take anything from the king of sodom lest he say that he made abram rich that takes dedication commitment that takes courage he was already a rich man but they were going to give it to him it was his and he said no then we get to chapter 15 y'all we getting somewhere i promise chapter 15 it says after these things the word of the lord came to abram in a vision do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Abram said, O oh Lord, what will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Since you have given me no offspring, one born in my house is my heir. Then, behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one one who will come forth from your body he shall be your heir i know it looks like it looks like the promise is not coming but god has not forgotten he knows that you're standing he knows that you're waiting but in the waiting we have to remember again that god is faithful he does not lie if that's the only scripture that you can hold on to then you need to hold on to that scripture because god can't lie if god were to lie then everything is going to fall apart because the bible says that all things are being upheld by the word of his power so if everything is being upheld by his word if he were to lie then everything's going to fall apart so we have to get to the place where we understand when we're waiting that God is faithful to his word. So whatever you're standing for, whatever you're believing God for, you may have had a dream. Maybe God told you I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Or you're going to see this come to pass. Then you need to take that for what it is because God can't lie. We've got to be convinced. We've got to be fully persuaded that God is who he says is. He is fully persuaded, fully persuaded. So God cuts covenant with them because Abram is like, how will I know? He believed God because it says in this chapter he did believe God and he accounted it to him as righteousness in chapter six and in verse six. But then he said, But how will I know? God cuts covenant with him, a blood covenant. Just real quick, we enter in agreements a lot in this country. You go down and and you sign a contract and people break them all the time. We have no concept of a blood covenant. A blood covenant is totally different. A blood covenant is a covenant where two parties into an, enter into an agreement. They decide on what the terms of the agreement are. Once they actually have a ceremony where there's an incision on both individuals, blood is mingled, and it's put into a cup with wine, both parties drink the blood, the mingled uh, wine with the blood. They drink it, And then they walk through a trail of blood because there are animals that are actually sacrificed, and the blood is is laid on a trail. It's a blood trail. They walk through, and they proclaim blessings and curses. So, for God to do this was it is the most powerful way of showing Abram, I'm gonna do exactly what I said, because God was now bound. To fulfill the promise, so if you keep reading in chapter 14, God actually walked through the blood trail. Abram was put to sleep because if Abram had a violated the terms of the agreement, the curse comes on him. But aren't you glad that God walked through that blood trail? The flaming torch in the in the smoking lantern—that was God. That was the glory of God, going through that blood trail, taking the curse on himself. And later in the second covenant, Jesus actually came and was sacrificed for us and took the curse. That's why there is no curse under the new covenant. Hallelujah. But God made the strongest agreement he could make with him just to assure him, I will do what I promise I'm telling you, when you look in the word of God, I'm telling you, it is so rich with his promises. If we would just grab a hold to it. You see, because you are Christ, your are Abraham's seed in the air according to the promise. When you read in the Bible, especially even when you go in the Old Testament and you see how God took care of his people, you can say me too. Amen. You can take that promise and you can apply it to your life. Yes. That's why the word of God is so important. If you don't know what's in the book then you miss out. So then we get to chapter 16. Verse 3 says, After Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife, Sarai, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband, Abram, as his wife. He's been there 10 years and still no promised seed. So, it had, so Sarai has an idea, but if you keep reading, she thinks it's God that's keeping her from having kids. So she influences him. Women, we got to watch what we influence our husbands to do. But she comes to him and says, here, take my Egyptian maid. Maybe I can have children through her. But that wasn't, a, somebody say, that wasn't his plan. That wasn't the plan. God didn't need their help because as you continue to read chapter 16, it was a mess. It was a mess in Abram's house trying to help God out. And so you have the Egyptian maid that's now the wife to Abram. Sarah's still the wife too. So she immediately conceives. And when she conceives, she begins to disrespect Sarah because she was not fertile. Sarah goes to Abram and says, may the Lord judge between me and you. And I'm trying to help you out. And she disrespected me, right? But it was her idea. So if you keep reading in this chapter, she ends up mistreating Hagar, 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 I'm sorry, she runs away. But while she's running away, the angel of the Lord appears to her and tells her, he, he you know, says he's gonna bless Ishmael, reveal the name of the child, um, says, I'm gonna bless him, you know, um, but go back and submit yourself to your um, mistress. So she went back. And that brings us up to our text. Verse 16 says, Abram was 86 years old when Hagar had Ishmael. It's been a long time waiting. It's been a long time. We don't like to wait, but waiting has its benefits. Verse 17, uh, chapter 17, verse one says, when he was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I, you know, when I read this, I wonder if Abram thinking and, and as God continues to talk to him and tell him all the things he's going to do. And he tells him, you know, that now he's going to uh, Sarah's going to have a child. And Abram's like, oh, may Ishmael live before you. And God's like, no. No, that wasn't the plan. So Abram is probably shocked and he's thinking, I think I'm in the promise. You telling me this is not the plan? He's got a son. He has an heir. That was the concern. Who gets all my stuff? Who's going to inherit this land? So Ishmael, he got to be the one. He's, he's my firstborn. He's my son. But God says, no. God will come and he, he can shake up some things. We, we got to be very careful when we, um, even though he blessed Ishmael, even to this day, the Middle East is so unstable because of that one decision. What decisions are we making that has that lifelong ramification that affects so many people? And, uh, and again, Ishmael wasn't the promise. So God tells him, Sarah is the one who's going to bear you a son. So it's been 25 years at this point. He's 99 years old. Now, when he was 86, his body was still producing because he was able to get Hagar pregnant. So he's 99. He can't. Produce nothing. It's the proper moment. It's the right time for God to do what He intended to do all along. And that's the way it is in our life. He's waiting on you to come to the end of you and all of your ideas and all of these things so that He can really do what He wants to do. Look at your neighbor and say, Get out the way. We have to step out of God's way because he, Romans chapter 4, chapter 4 says, let me just turn there, Romans chapter 4, 19 it says, without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body now as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of sarah's womb there was no conceivable way that they could have in a natural produced a child again this is the right time for god to do what he intended to do so when god came to him and he introduced himself as el shaddai el being god Shaddai die being Mighty, Almighty, Almighty God. But Shaddai actually comes from the root word Shad. That word means breast. That word means particularly or specifically a mother's breast, a nursing mother. So the child depends on the mother for everything. The mother has the nutrients and everything that child needs in order to grow and to develop. So that's the idea behind this word. So he's the many-breasted, or he's the almighty, all-sufficient, he is the mighty, I like to call the mighty-breasted one. Because just like that child depends on that mother for everything, and will die without the nutrients from the mother. That's the way God is saying to Abram, he will be to him. He's also saying to him, to have this child, I'm able to do it because I'm all-sufficient. I'm able to do this because I'm mighty. I'm almighty God. Okay? So, Abram, again, he and he's correcting him because for 13 years, from the age of 86, when Hagar had Ishmael, up to that point, Abram, he's living his dream. He's living the dream. But then God says, walk before me and be blameless. Have integrity is what he's saying to him. And so then he says I will establish my covenant. And so what we need to understand is that with the promise, I don't I don't know what promise God has made to you or what you're believing God for right now. Whatever the promise is, we need to understand three things. First of all, we need to understand God's time is not like our time. He reckons time differently than we do. The Bible says in Psalm 90 and 4, For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passes by, or as a watch in the night. 2 Peter 3 and 8 says, But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, That with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. So in our minds, we're thinking when God gives us a word or we find a promise in the word of God, we're thinking now. God inhabits eternity. There is not time. So what's a day to us or what's a thousand years to us? It's only been a day. It's only a day. He doesn't reckon time like you. So when we look at Abram and see, it took 25 years, 25 years for the promise. I had, God gave me a dream back in 1998 and I'm still waiting. I know it was from God. I know he was, he, I, I really believe he took me into my future and I put it on the shelf. I was in my twenties. I didn't discount it, but I put it on the shelf, but I know it was God. So God doesn't reckon time like you. So because we are not able to hold out, because we think it's like right now, God doesn't reckon time like we do. The Bible says again in Galatians 6 and 9, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. That word, do Due time, or time is actually kairos, and it means due season. It means the set proper time. There is a time that God has to do what he wants to do in your life. And so we have to understand that his time is not like our time. Romans 5 and 6 says, for while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly so again God reckons time different than us it is a favorable a set time that God has set to do what he plans to do the other thing we need to realize we need to have as well when we're waiting on the promise we've got to have patience a lot of people look at patience as just holding on just holding out but patience is not just about waiting and endurance Patience involves steadfastness. It involves constancy. You have to be constantly in a position where you're not moving. So earlier I told you when you're waiting, when you're waiting on God, you need a promise. You need to be hold. There needs to be a word. You've got to have a scripture. There's got to be something that you can go to, and that justifies why you're believing God for what you're believing God for. Okay, and then we have to be careful too because everything we believe in God for isn't even scriptural because he's not going to bless or give you things that go against his will or go against his word, and his word is his will. So again, the Bible says, In 1 Peter 5 and 8, be of sober spirit. Be on alert your adversary. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So while you're waiting, his job is to come and to devour you. He's going to come and he's going to lie to you. He's going to come and he's coming for the word. He's coming to make you say something else. James 1, 2 and 4 says, through 4 says, consider it all joy. My brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance, you got to let endurance work. There's a perfect work that will result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If you are able to hold out, if you're able to stand your ground long enough, then you will come into the promise but if you have no staying power if you're not able to be planted in a place where you're you're standing on the promise of god and if you are not able to stand your ground then the enemy is going to come and he will devour you i don't know where you are in life right now i don't know what you're believing god for But understand, patience is about more than just hanging on. It's not about just sitting there. Patience is active. Patience is active. 1 Corinthians 15 and 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain, in the Lord immovable that means your planet that means you can't change my mind you can push you can lie you can do whatever but it's not gonna make me move because I'm firmly convinced I'm, 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 I'm firmly convinced I'm fully persuaded that God is gonna do exactly what he promised yes. Hebrews 6 and 12 says and we desire that each of you Each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience Uh inherit the promise. It takes faith and patience because if you believe God but you have no staying power, if you're not able to stand your ground, stay with the word, then guess what? You won't come into the promise because the enemy is there to do what he can to block you from coming into that promise. The other thing we need to, the third thing, we need to have focus. Keep in mind time when you're waiting. Time, God doesn't reckon time like me. But he's not a man that he should lie. I don't need to be weary and well doing because at the set proper time, I will reap because I am not going to faint. Have patience. Not just hold on, not just endure, but be steadfast, unmovable in the Word. Believing the Word of God is going to win out. It's going to win out. And if you're standing on the Word, then you're not going to fail because God has to fulfill the promise. Focus your mind on the promise. That's the third thing. When you're waiting, you got to maintain your focus. You have to spend time in the Word. Get yourself a list of scriptures and speak those scriptures. Joshua 1 and 8 says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you should meditate in it day and night that you may be careful to do all that is written therein. For therein will you prosper, and therein will you have good success. The book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, meaning it needs to keep coming out of your mouth we got to get to a place where we're not despondent you get in that place where you just feel that you know you've been standing and you've been standing and you've been standing so long but god is faithful woman of god you continue to stand god is faithful and meditate on the promise see yourself possession of promise I think that's one of the things in the body of Christ that is not taught enough is the power of meditating on the Word of God I know in the Middle East and all these in the in the Near East they practice their own form of meditation but the meditation that I'm referring to has to do with meditating on the Word of God when you find those scriptures and you sit down and you begin to ponder you begin to think about it, kind of like a cow chewing cud. You, you just over and over, you think about it. Then you digest it. Then you spit it back out, pick it back up, and chew it some more. You just continue to meditate in the word of God. But that word of God, that, that word meditate, it means to imagine. It means to mutter. It means to ponder. So that's confession. That's meditating. That's, that's imagining yourself possessing the promise. When you do that, you are branding your mind. You are branding yourself. You are painting a picture in your mind. When we spend time seeing ourselves in the promise, it's powerful. It will literally change your mind. Because what will happen is it will magnify the solution and it will cause whatever the problem is, it won't even seem like much of a problem anymore because you've been sitting there and you've been meditating, you've been branded with God's promises. We don't do it enough. We want it like this. And it's great when it happens like that. But what about when it takes two weeks? What about when it takes a year? Because one thing that I do know is that we have a persistent enemy. He doesn't quit. He knows his time is short and he knows what his destination is. So he does everything that he can to make us let go of the word. But if we could sit and build an image. Build the image on the inside of us of possessing that promise. Then that's when you become fully persuaded because you can see it. If you can see it, Ephesians 3.20, the Bible says that God can do exceeding, abundantly, above all we could ever ask or think according to the power that works in us. So imagine yourself Possessing the promise. Proverbs 23 and 7 says, do not eat the bread of a selfish man or desire his delicacies. That's verse 6. Verse 7, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. He says to you, eat and drink, but his heart is not with you. What you think on the inside of yourself, you're going to become What you think on the inside of yourself, you're going to say it out your mouth. Because the Bible says, it says that out of the mouth, your, your mouth, you. Luke 6, what have we been saying? Why are you waiting? What is it that you're saying out of your mouth? Verse 45 of Luke 6 says, the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil, for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. That's why it's so important when you're waiting to fill your mind, fill your heart with word with with scriptures that confirm that that gives you the the confirmation you need regarding what you're believing God for you you've got to you've got to meditate on it until you are firmly convinced fully persuaded and when you're fully persuaded the enemy knows that there's nothing he can do. The only power he has over a child of God is really suggestion, because it's up to you whether or not you're going to do or buy into what he's saying. He's coming for the word. While you're waiting, let's be mindful of what we're doing with our time. What are we focusing on? If you're not focusing on scriptures that's going to build you up, and again, confirm what you're believing God for, then you're not going to be as strong or as firmly convinced. But if you can get yourself some scriptures and meditate on them, build that image on the inside where you can see yourself possessing that promise, then that's exactly where you're going to go. Because again, out of the mouth, whatever's in your heart is going to come out your mouth. Whatever's in you in abundance. It's kind of like a Coca-Cola bottle. You shake it up under pressure, Coke is going to come out. What's in you is going to come out under pressure. And you, and and if you really believe that, you're going to have it. Because we have what we say if we believe it. And lastly, I just want to say, because we have an enemy that doesn't quit, he doesn't quit, and he's coming for the word, you have to control your mind. You have to answer negative thoughts and imaginations. You have to answer that. Don't just sit there and think about it. Now, I've been guilty. You just find yourself thinking about it, and it's like, wait a minute Oh no, it's not gonna be that you have to answer that. You have to answer those thoughts. But Second Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations in every lofty thing, raised up. Against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Christ is the word of God. They're one in the same. So just because the FedEx man come to your door with a package, you don't have to take it. So when the enemy comes and he proposes something, tries to drop off a package, you don't have to take it. Right? You send it right on back where it came from. So we have to take good thoughts. But when you're waiting, it's necessary that you be mindful of time. God doesn't reckon time like us. Be patient, be steadfast, be immovable. Don't be moving like this, back and forth and in your position like a a pendulum. Be firmly rooted and grounded on the word of God. And then lastly, focus. Imagine yourself possessing the promise. Imagine it. Imagine. Because Jesus purchased all these things for us. It's ours. It's ours. And I want to leave us with this. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight... Is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night he will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and in whatever he does he prospers again prosperity is not just money wholeness completeness soundness nothing missing Nothing broken. It's yours. Jesus already purchased it for you. We just have to stand our ground. We have to be firmly convinced. Like Abraham. The Bible says that he was fully persuaded. Even when he looked at his body. And he looked at Sarah. Both of them, body was dead. But you know what? That's the perfect time for a miracle. Because you can't do it. And I know I've been in a place where I'm like, God, I can't do it. If you don't do it, it is not going to get done. So let's get in the word of God and be encouraged. Make time for him. Lay your head like the baby, and I'm closing, like the baby. Else, should I? A baby with the mother. It, I don't know if anybody in here has breastfed or have been around a child that was breastfed, breastfed. But it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny, really. That child loves that breast. And when I lived in Florida, I had a cousin who had um, a son. So he was an infant, and she breastfed him. And he loved her. I mean, it, it was amazing. I'm like, so even when they would just be sitting on the couch, he'd just have his hand on her breast. When he cries, she'd take his head and do like this, and he'd calm down. I mean, that's power in that breast. When he was asleep, he'd have his hand. It was hilarious. And so when I was reading this and began to look at what God's name meant, lay your head on his breast. If something got you upset, lay your head on his breast and let him comfort you. But that's who he is. He's El Shaddai. While you're waiting, lay your head on his breast. Let him encourage you. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Brother Cleve. Amen.